Hey, this is Noah Fritchie, and I'm the lead pastor of Real Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Really, if you've been with us for the last several weeks, you know that we are studying the book of Habakkuk. Many of many people are probably are not familiar with the book of Habakkuk. It's an Old Testament book, um, and Habakkuk has three different chapters. And what we've been doing is we've been going through those three chapters. And if you've been with us for the last couple couple weeks, I've got some really good news for you. Here's the good news, is that we're not in chapter one and that we're not in chapter two today. But guess what chapter we're in? We are finally into chapter three, the promised land, man, we've made it. Today, we are in chapter three. And if you've been with us, for, and hopefully you have, you've been, you've been expecting uh, something to turn around. You've been expecting something good to happen in Habakkuk chapter three. If you haven't been with us and you've missed, let me just catch you up to speed really quick. Uh, In fact, let's talk about Habakkuk. In the previous weeks, um, we've talked about really the story, the backstory of Habakkuk. We've learned that Habakkuk is an Old Testament minor prophet. In fact, Habakkuk lived about 600 years before the birth of Christ. And Habakkuk, being a prophet... When you study the Old Testament and when you study prophets, you know that prophets normally spoke to people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk was a different type of prophet. Instead of speaking to people on behalf of God, Habakkuk actually spoke to God on behalf of people. And it's because the people were really upset, Habakkuk including, they were really upset at what God was doing at the time. And what we see in Habakkuk is we see this really raw and this very real dialogue that Habakkuk has with God. It's full of emotion and essentially Habakkuk says to God, he says, you know what God, I really don't like what you're doing and I really wish that you would just do something else. God, why don't you seem fair? Habakkuk asked God a whole lot of questions, and we see several themes that stick out to us in these chapters. In fact, the first week we talked about chapter 1, and whenever we look in chapter 1, we see that chapter 1 was all about wondering. Habakkuk is wondering. He's wondering why what he sees with his own eyes is so different than what he believes in his heart. I wonder if you've ever had a question like that. Like, why is it that so often we believe that God can do something and we think that he will, but he doesn't? You see, Habakkuk finds himself in that state. Habakkuk finds himself wondering. He's wondering, why doesn't God seem fair? And so the whole first chapter of Habakkuk is all about wondering. And the next chapter, chapter 2, is all about waiting. Habakkuk chapter 2 is all about waiting. That's what we talked about last week. Last week we we talked about how God spoke to Habakkuk and he says, here's what what I'm going to do. God says to Habakkuk, here's what I'm going to do. I'm about to do something that that I've never done before and it's going to amaze you and you won't even believe it if I told you. 
And God really hypes this thing up. And, and hey, if I'm Habakkuk, I'm thinking, well, finally, my God heard my prayers. He's actually going to come through this time. And something good is bound to happen. But what God actually says is he says, no, Habakkuk, actually, I'm raising up your enemies. The Babylonians. The Babylonians, they're, they're the bad guys. They're even worse than you. And God says that your enemies are going to destroy you. You see, he's waiting on this promise from God to come true. And there are some of you that are there. Some of you, you're right here in this process. You're in the waiting zone. And you're asking God, you're saying, God, when are you going to hear my prayer? We read a verse last week that said, though it linger, wait for it. And we said that when it's not God's time, you can't force it. But when it is God's time, you can't stop it. And that brings us to chapter 3. In chapter 3, there is a change of tone. And, and we, see, we, we really see this big change. And not only is it a change, but it's just a change of tone. It, when you read through chapters 1 and 2 in Habakkuk, you see this tone that is all, really Habakkuk, is, is, there's this agony, there's this kind of disappointment, there's this wondering. Habakkuk is asking questions like, God, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? And some of you, you may feel that right now, but at the end of chapter 2, in fact, the last verse that we read in chapter 2, Habakkuk says this, he says that, I, he, he says that even though that he's confused, even though that he's wondering, even though that he's doubting, even though that, that all these things are happening, he says, but the Lord, but the Lord is in his holy temple. It's a little bit like the psalm that says, that says sometimes you just have to be still and know that he is God. Even though I'm hurting, even though I'm confused, even though I don't understand it, but the Lord is in his holy temple, but my God is still on the throne. You see, we read that, and then the tone really changes. And then chapter 3 really is like a reset of the whole book of Habakkuk. And when you start reading chapter 3, you read chapter 3, verse 1. Verse 1 is one of those verses in the Bible that you would probably just read on past. Like, oh, you know, you, what, whatever. It's just setting up the chapter. It is setting up the chapter. But there's this word in verse 1 that I really want to bring to your attention. Let's look at verse 1. Verse 1 says this. Verse 1 is, says, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shidjanah. Now, this Shigjanoth is an interesting word. It's something that if you're just reading, you probably read pa past it. But I want to challenge you, what in the world does Shigjanoth mean? Well, Shigjanoth is the plural of a word called Shigjan. And Shigjan is actually, uh, that word is actually found and used only one time in the Bible. It's used in Psalm chapter 7. And so Shigjanoth is also only used one time, 
Shijanoth, it's used in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. This verse that we're reading right now. I hope that you follow me. These words, uh, we, we don't know a whole lot about the word Shijanoth, but what we do know is that the Shijanoth is that th this word is a direct direction on how to sing a song or how to sing a song. So Shijanoth is actually a musical term that instructs a congregation how to sing the song, how to sing essentially the psalm or the hymn. It would be like me telling you to sing a song with a hip-hop beat to it. Or it'd be like me telling you to sing a song with a jazz flair to it. Or, or sing a song, sing a love type song. Let me tell you what Shijanoth means. Shijanoth means to, to sing with strong emotion. It's a wild, passionate singing with this with the dictionary literally has rapid changes of rhythm <laughs> a shijanoth is really a high-spirited praise song with this vigorous enthusiasm it's not a whiny type song it's not it's not a a, a cry song it's not a cry in your beer type song i i i like that idea that was wrote out it's not, it's not if you're in a mood to cry. Uh, it, it's, it's not, that's not what Shigjanoth is. Shigjanoth is this praise. It's this praise that is punctuated with exclamation marks, with like a ton of exclamation marks. You know the type of people who use a bunch of exclamation marks? You probably already know what I'm talking about. Those people that text you and one exclamation mark isn't enough. They send like, they send like 10 or 15 exclamation marks like every single time. That's the type of praise that we're talking about. We're talking about multiple exclamation mark types of praise. And what I want you to understand here is that in Habakkuk chapter 3, we see that that he that Habakkuk is doing this full body, this like all in exciting type of worship to God. But he's doing this worship to God and it's really interesting. You need to know this. He's worshiping God like this before God even did what he wanted God to do. Did you catch that? I want you to catch that sometimes the most passionate praise is the praise before the provision. It's the praise before anything happens. It's the praise before God steps in. I want you to see that Habakkuk is praising. He's not praising for the what. He's praising for the who. Because he knows who God is, he can praise, not because of what God has done. You see, we need to understand that we need to praise not for the what. We need to praise for who God is. You see, it's not just for what God has done. We need to praise not just for what you think he's going to do. And that's what Habakkuk does. He praises God not just for what he does, not just for what he's going to do. He's, he praises God for who he is. 
He praises God for his character, for his nature, for his goodness, for his glory. He praises God for the who, not for the what. It's praise before anything happens. And I know that might sound crazy, but that's what Habakkuk does. And in verse 2, we see Habakkuk says this of God. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known in wrath. Remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. And essentially what Habakkuk is saying in this scripture, he's saying, God, won't you please just do it again? He's saying, God, I've seen you do it before. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna praise you, and I'm gonna believing, I'm believing that God, you are going to do it again. There's a beautiful song wrote called "Do It Again" by Elevation Worship. It says, "I've seen you move, you move the mountains, and I believe I'll see you do it again. You made a way where there was no way, and I believe I'll see you do it again." Essentially, God, I've seen you work. God, I know your power. And God, I believe that you will do it again. I'm praising you, God, not even for what's going on right now, but just for who you are. Just that Shidjanoth type of praise. Let me just ask you a personal question. What do you do when life gets difficult? What do you do when life gets difficult? Well, the first week we talked about how sometimes you experience the goodness of God and you're, you're on this high. As many of you, you will remember this. I showed you this graph where all of a sudden when we first experience God, it's like we're on this spiritual high. And we're like, God, we thank you so much. You're so amazing. Thank you for providing that front row parking spot. Thank you, God. I love you so much. You answer all my prayers. God, you're so fantastic. God, I believe in you. And we're on this spiritual high. And then something happens that's bad. All of a sudden, we lose our job. Or you get bad news. Or you pray for something and you don't get what you prayed for or you find yourself waiting and you know God could give it to you and you know that he could do it easily, but he doesn't give it to you. And all of a sudden we're coming down from that spiritual high and we go down to what Henry Blackaby calls a crisis of belief. And we talked about this the first week of the series. And we hit that crisis of belief and we say, God, I thought that you were going to do this, but I'm in such a different place than what I thought you were going to do. And we hit that crisis of belief. And so many people, when they hit this crisis of belief, they think, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to pretend like this is not happening. I'm just going to pretend like I'm still on the mountaintop. I'm just going to deny it. And I'm just going to go back into this state of bliss with God. And, and that's what some people do. They just deny it and they just pretend that they're on the mountaintop. But other people say, okay, well, God, if you're not going to do this, then 
I'm just going to go back where I came from. I don't believe that you're even real. Just forget you. I'm going to walk away from you totally. And all of a sudden, people, instead, instead of being in the valley, they just do one of these two things. But what was my question? My question was, what do you do when life gets difficult? I want to challenge you to stay on the path and let God take you to this valley. What do you do? What do you do when what you see with your eyes is different than what you believe in your heart and you, and you find yourself in this valley? What do you do when you're crying out to God, when you're believing that he'll hear your prayer, that, 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 that he'll move in a way that brings relief or brings you blessing or brings provision and God doesn't do it yet? We're going to talk about two things to do. The first thing is that we're going to remember. Specifically, we're going to remember and embrace the goodness and the faithfulness of our God. That when you're in the valley, you need to remember and embrace the faithfulness of your God. In fact, I want to show you Habakkuk 3, chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 3. It says, God came from Taman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. You see, those first two places, they don't mean a whole lot to you. <laughs> you may think, well, the, well, those don't mean anything to me. But to Habakkuk, these places were really meaningful. Why? Because these two places, Taman and Paran, were two places that God took his people for refuge after delivering them from Egyptian bondage. And here's what he's saying. Habakkuk, in, in this verse, here's what Habakkuk's saying. He's saying, God, I remember when, when, you, when we didn't even think that there was going to be a way. God, I remember that when we thought that our people were going to be in bondage forever. But God, you moved the heart of Pharaoh. God, you split open the Red Sea and you caused us to walk on dry ground. God, God, God you destroyed our enemies as they pursued us from behind. God, I remember when you were faithful and I think back to your goodness. God, I know that you can do it again. Let's look, at, uh, let's look at verse 4 here. It says, His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him, per, uh, followed his steps. Let's look, at chapter, well, let's look at the next verse here. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and he made the nations tremble. God said, or Habakkuk says to God, he says, God, out of all this stuff, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember your justice. I remember your presence. I remember what you did. And God, you were glorified through what you did. And if you read through forward through the rest of the verses, through verses 7 through 15, this is kind of what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk is basically talking about the justice and the faithfulness of God. Here's what Habakkuk basically could have done. He could have just remembered some of the things, the, uh, that, uh, some of the other things that, uh, that God did. Perhaps he did. 
He could have said, God, I remember when, when, when the bread came from down, down from heaven, when, when manna came down from heaven and provided for us. God, I remember when the rocks, when the water spewed out of that rock. God, I remember the fire from heaven. God, I remember when you caused the sun to stand still. God, I remember when you shut the mouths of lions. You see, sometimes, just like Habakkuk, sometimes when you're in the valley, you just simply have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. When you're in the valley, be like Habakkuk. Remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Listen, I can think back sometimes through, yeah, when, I was, when I'm questioning God, I can think back of the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And I can remember when we started this church, we didn't even have a place to have church in. And God provided a venue and not only did he provide a venue, but he provided a venue that was under budget. That, that we were so thankful to have. When I told some other church planners what we had, they were in awe of the place that we were able to use at the price that we were able to use it. It was the perfect place carved out for us. I remember when we were in that valley and God was faithful. Man, I remember cashing out the bank account when we closed on our new building. In fact, the morning of, we didn't even have the money to close. We were praying. We were asking God to provide. And the morning of, the money wasn't there. But we just decided in a whim, before we went to the closing, to go check the post office box. And guess what? He provided the exact amount that we needed was in that box. Somebody had wrote a check for it. I remember his faithfulness. Even in the valley, I have to step back and remember that he's been good. He's been with us. And I remember as a kid, when they diagnosed my mom with cancer, we prayed and we prayed and we made a path in the woods. We walked that prayer path. In the next visit, the cancer was gone. She'd been healed. I remember God's faithfulness. And sometimes you just have to go back through your life and you have to remember the faithfulness of God in your valleys. So what do you do when you're in the valley? You have to remember the goodness of God. So the first thing you do is you remember. The second thing you do, in fact, before we get to what you do, I want to tell you what you don't do. Do not start to endure in the valley. Well, Pastor Norman, what are you talking about enduring? What is enduring? Well, enduring is just kind of a passive response to something that's happening to you. You see, when you start just enduring something, it's just very passive. You see, we don't just endure. What we do is that when we're in the valley, we begin to embrace. In the valley, we embrace and we believe that God is still good. You see, if you think about Habakkuk in this situation, Habakkuk, he felt like the enemy. 
He felt like the enemy was winning. The Babylonians, they were winning and they were. You see, he looked and he recognized that, you know what, this situation is bad. And Habakkuk writes about it. Habakkuk writes and basically says, you know what, this situation is bad and it's about to get worse. But you know what he does? He embraces the situation and with everything in him, Habakkuk still declared that his God is on the throne. He said, my God is still on the throne. My God has always been good and my God has always been faithful. Hey, when you are in the valley, when you are in a tragedy, you need to remember and you need to embrace and you need to say, you know what? Even though I'm going through this, my God is still on the throne. He still has been good and he has always been faithful. You see, what I love about this is that this is not just, Habakkuk is not just in some type of state of denial. This isn't, Habakkuk's not pretending like this situation isn't true. This isn't just looking at the bad news. Habakkuk is actually looking at the bad news and he's looking at it in the face and he's saying, you know what? No matter what my report is, no matter what's happening in my life, no matter what pandemic we go through, I still trust in my God. That's what Habakkuk does. He says, no matter, God, if even if you bring the enemies my way, I still trust in my God. I want you to watch what Habakkuk does. It's powerful in chapter three. We see this power in chapter three. If chapter one was about wondering and chapter two is about waiting, chapter three, watch as he embraces God in this verse. Look at verse 16 here. He says to God, look at this. He says, I heard and my heart pounded. And his heart's not pounding because he just saw a good looking girl or something like that. It's not this, this, this excitement pound. No, it's this bad kind of pound. It's his, bat, his heart's pounding because he's got some really awful news. Habakkuk, he says, his lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, he says, and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Here's what he says. He says, you know what? It's bad, but it's going to get worse. It's going to be brutal. There's going to be tremendous suffering, Habakkuk says. Here, look at what he says. He says, though the fig tree does not bud, <laughs> and there's no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Some of you, you feel like that right now. You might not say that there's no grapes on the vine and no olive and that there's the, and that the olive crop is going to fail. You might say it this way that even though I'm still praying and I'm not seeing an answer, even though we're still believing that 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 God can heal this person and and and, and he has it, but even though I'm still asking God for that job and that provision and that blessing and that answer and I still haven't seen it, even though we lost something so valuable to us and we don't understand it. Habakkuk says, look at the next verse. Habakkuk says, yet I will rejoice and I will be joyful in God my Savior. Here's what Habakkuk does. Habakkuk recognizes and he says, you know what? Even though there are dozens of reasons not to rejoice, 
I'm still going to. You see, this isn't a half-hearted song to God. This isn't just Habakkuk just rolling his eyes and saying, you know what, God, you took all this away, and I'm just, you know, I guess I'm just going to raise at least one hand and praise you. No, that's not what this is. This is this Shigjanoth type of phrase. <laughs> this is, remember what it means? It's a full body. It's a full soul. It's everything within me declaring the praise and the goodness of God. Habakkuk with everything that he has in him, even in his deepest valley, is praising God. Even though he doesn't see what he wants to see, what's he, what is he doing? What's Habakkuk doing? He's wrestling and he's embracing. He's praising his God in his deepest valley. You see, it's not this half-hearted type of praise. It's not this partial declaration of God. This praise comes from the depths of his soul. This is the type of faith that worships when everything is not right. This is the type of faith that gives God praise even when you don't see it. This is the type of cry from the depths of your heart, believing that the goodness of God is still there in the middle of your pain. This is chapter 3. It's the Shijanoth. This is the praise before the provision. This is the praise with the exclamation points at the end. It's not for the what. This is for the who. You remember what Habakkuk means? <laughs> the name Habakkuk literally means to embrace and to wrestle. It means to embrace and to wrestle. I've got a question for you while we're on this subject really quick. Have you ever had to do something for your kids that maybe they didn't like, but you knew that in the end it was going to make them better? I'm sure you have. I, I remember as a kid, I hated going to the doctor. I still dislike going to the doctor today. I hated going to the doctor. I hated going to the dentist. I still dislike the dentist today. I really dislike the dentist today. I, I, just, I just didn't like it. I didn't like going to get work on my teeth. I didn't, I didn't like, man, I don't know about you, but I hate needles. I hate shots. <laughs> and I remember just one time, like asking mom, don't let me go through this. Don't take me through this pain. Don't let them shoot me with this needle. Don't let this happen. But guess what? Mom knew better. She knew better for me. Even when I didn't understand it. I wrestled with her. And I continued to embrace with her. But she knew better even when I didn't understand. I'm just wondering if there's things in your life right now that are happening that even though you don't understand it, God knows better. Today, I'm, I'm going to dig a song out of the archives that we're going to end service with that we call, that, that's called Do It Again. I read you the verse, I, I read you actually the chorus of it earlier. And you're going to get a chance to sing it again today. But I want something different to happen. This time, I don't want you to sing it just half-heartedly on your couch. 
This time, I want you to praise God even with exclamation points. Even when you don't understand what he's doing, I want you to, I want you to do, I want you to praise him like no tomorrow. And some of you, you, you need to, you need to begin to praise before the provision. You need to praise that Shijanoth type of praise. That praise with everything within you. That Shijanoth, not that half-hearted type of praise. It's the praise from the depths of your soul. We're going to play that song at the end of the service. And I want to challenge you to praise him with that Shijanoth type of praise. But I wanted to end this series... In a little bit of a different way, I just wanted to end this series and tell you a little bit of a story about what happened to me last week. Last week, at the end of the week, I literally just knelt down and went to battle with God. And I, and I thought about you on the other side of that screen. I couldn't stop thinking about you, church. I just couldn't. And I don't know what you're praying for on the other side of that screen, but I prayed for you. And I cried and I cried out and I cried a little bit more. And I thought whatever is inside of you, it's been inside of me. And I want you to know that I pray for you every single day. And I want you to know that God knows the cries of your heart. And I want you to know that as your pastor, I'm wrestling with you. But what I want you to do is, I don't only want you to wrestle, but I want you to continue to embrace. You see, in chapter one, you don't walk away from God. In chapter two, you don't quit on God. And in chapter three, even if he doesn't change the circumstances, I pray that he would begin to change your perspective. You see, the thing about Habakkuk in this book is that Habakkuk doesn't resolve this book to make, he doesn't resolve to make the most of a bad situation. It's so much deeper than that. What Habakkuk does is that he looks the truth in the face and he says, this isn't good. <laughs> and he says, you know what? It isn't good and it's only gonna get worse. There's no grapes coming, there's no blossoms on the tree, there's only judgment coming. But he says that the Lord is still in his temple and he is still worthy of praise. And here's what I want you to see, is that God never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. He never even does it, he never answers Habakkuk's prayer. Remember, this is not a sitcom sermon, this is not a sitcom series. There's never the, okay, you know what? It's all better now. No, that never happens. That never, ever happens. But I want you to see is that the very last book, uh, the very last verse of this book in chapter three, I want you to see what you do when you're waiting. The last verse in chapter three says this. It says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. You say, Noah, what, what are you getting at? Well, let me remember this graph. 
He enables you to tread on the heights. What does God do? <laughs> he enables you to continue to tread on the heights. And He takes you to more intimate places. <laughs> a place of greater faith. A place of greater heights. He takes you to a new place. Well, what do I know about God? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know this. I know that I can enjoy my God on the mountaintops, right? I, I, I really do enjoy Him on the mountaintops. But I get to know His faithfulness in the valley. I enjoy God on the mountaintops. I love God on the mountaintops, but I really get to know Him intimately in the valleys. You see, I love to praise Him for the what? But in the valleys, I simply praise Him for who He is. Listen, I like to brag on God on the mountaintops, but I get to know Him intimately in the valley. And when you start to have that perspective of God, you can kind of do what James said in chapter 1 of his book. He said, I consider it pure joy, even when I don't understand it, even whenever I face trials of many kinds, because I know that these trials, these hardships right here, they are producing perseverance in me. They develop that perseverance. And guess what? Because of those hardships, that perseverance grows. And it must finish its work, the Bible says, so that I may be mature and complete, not lacking of anything. There's someone on the other side of that screen that it's time to praise God even when you don't see it. It's time to praise God even when you don't feel it. It's time to cry out to Him and praise Him not just for what you see or not just for what, what you don't see, but for who He is. And it's time to get that Shijanoth type of praise out from everything inside of you. Praise Him. And what I want you to understand is that you can't just skip to the mountaintops. You cannot have that chapter 3 type of intimacy with God without chapters 1 of wondering and without chapter 2 of waiting. And there's something God does in us. There's a trust. There's a faith. There's a passion. What do you do when you're in the valley? What do you do when you're in the valley? You remember the goodness of God. You embrace Him. You may wrestle with Him from time to time with things that you don't understand, but you embrace Him and you don't let Him go. Let me pray for you right where you're at. Father, we just pray right now that even for some of us, this is the most difficult season of our life. God, we couldn't have asked for anything worse. But God, I just pray that as a church, that as a people, we would continue to wrestle and embrace. And God, even in the valleys, Lord, we know that we get to know you so much more intimately in those valleys. God, I pray for the people on the other side of that screen that they would get to know you 
in whatever valley that they're in. God, I will stretch their faith, make their faith so much deeper so that, God, when they are on that mountaintop, they can brag on you, Lord. They can say, look what the Lord has done. God, I thank you that you are changing lives and that you are healing hearts right now. In Jesus' name. This morning, there's some of you on the other side of that screen that you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You need to start a journey with God. You just need to begin that journey. If that's you on the other side of that screen, I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to this earth for you. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And he died a death that you deserve because of your sin. But he didn't stay dead. His father rose him from the dead three days later. Now he sits at the right hand of God. And he paid the price that you deserve, which is death. But you don't have to pay that price. When you accept him into your life, the Bible says that you're made new, you're washed clean. Those sins are washed clean. If that's you on the other side of the screen and you want that faith, you want to start a brand new life with Jesus, would you pray this prayer right after me? Say this after me. Church, because everybody believes this, let's all say this together. Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.